Did you ever get a point where it felt, oh, this is a bit heavy? Kind of like a Hollywood star might have. I actually notice it in two ways. The first way I notice it is when I'm in Whole Foods because I have to be quiet when I'm talking. <laughs> I'm Whole Foods famous. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking with you. But it is one of those things where I don't identify as somebody who's got fame, but I do have a lot of readers out there. And so people do recognize me or come up to me and say, you know, this and that. So I have to make sure that I'm not acting like an asshole in the world <laughs> because I'm human and I might act like an asshole sometimes. It's really nice to be giving myself that level of standard of how I want to be in the world so that I'm not only presentable to people that may be inspired by me, but more importantly, just living what I preach. This is Superfast Business with James Schramko. James Helping you build your business super fast. James Schramko here. Welcome back to Superfast Business. This is episode 712 and we're chatting with Gabby Bernstein, which is going to be really fascinating. Gabby operates in a market quite different to our typical guest but with huge success, and I think there's a story there. Gabrielle Bernstein is the number one New York Times bestseller author and has published a whole bunch of other books, like six other bestseller books. The New York Times bestseller Super Attractor is a very recent one. She's been on Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, a whole bunch of other places. Again, really, really significant presence when it comes to media She's one of Mashable's 11 must-follow Twitter accounts. She's a YouTube Next Video blogger. One of the Forbes lists of 20 best-branded women appears on Dr. Oz's show and was in a Guinness World Record largest guided meditation with Deepak Chopra. And this goes on and on and on. Gabrielle, what's the secret? <laughs> hmm. Oh, there is a secret, actually. The secret is to be authentic, to be you to be real. So did you always start out being you or did you start? Yes, that's the key to my success. Right. This has been the key to my success is just just telling the truth, telling the truth. And listen, you know, it takes work. You got to hustle. You got to show up. Then once you've put the time in and you've grown something, then you have to learn how to slow down and chill so you don't get in the way. I saw that you'd published some um, information about how you were caught up in feeling like you had to be productive 24-7 and then you realized that wasn't sustainable. Yeah. I'd love to know what sort of phase did that come in the journey to where you're at now where you've got so many followers, what, 700 and something thousand followers on Instagram. You have a, a very strong presence in the bookstores. So you've got this massive following. At what point did you realize that this is uh, unsustainable to do the 24-7 thing? Well, well, probably around 2016, I hit bottom with that. And then it took me about a few years to really unwind the pattern. But now I'm very proud to say we're here on the phone and we're having a digital technology crisis on my business website. And I'm, I'm fine. I'm cool because I got a ton of good, smart people doing their job. So learning how to let people help you, learning how to let go, learning how to trust that it's all working out, even when it doesn't seem to be, that has been probably the greatest virtue for me. That is it. That's that's it. That's the whole thing. So what was the first good, smart person you hired? Like, Was it just you in the very, very beginning? It was me for way, 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 way too long. <laughs> I was running a very, very big business when I was probably with like two VAs at one point. My business was huge and I was just doing way too much. The good thing about that, though, is that I learned a lot about the business. I learned how to send my own emails, and I learned how to get into the back end of the WordPress site. And I, I understood the ins and outs of my business, but my business was way, way, way too big for me and those two VAs. 
And then my husband, by the grace of God, six years ago, retired from private equity at JP Morgan to run our business, to be the CEO of our business. That saved my life and my business because he came in, hired properly. Around that same time, we hired my COO, who is probably just as important as my husband and myself to this business. I said, I can honestly say I'm the most important element of this business because it's based on my content and me, but there's so much content that it could run without me at this stage. <laughs> but Jessica and Zach are crucial to the business. And then most recently, I hired a CMO who, you know, Lindsay, that has taken this to the next level. So it's really good to have. And then we've got a big team behind them. Yeah, we should acknowledge Lindsay reached out to me. I've come into contact with her before. And also one of my absolute favorite friends, students, geniuses, Tom Breeze has. Yeah, um, Tom's a good friend of mine. Yeah, he's the first one who reached out to me and I was just speaking to him last night actually and he said, what a lovely person you are. And, you know, initially I thought the sort of stuff you teach is not the stuff that we encounter so much. We're kind of the dry nuts and bolts uh, marketing focused stuff and we're seeing some of the motivational stuff coming through. It's all over our feed right now, of course, because at the time of recording, it's around the new year. So it seems to be the season for the fresh start, the 21-day challenges. I actually saw a lot of people saying they didn't have a great 2019, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'm seeing that too. And they just want to like wash it off yeah, and start fresh. Um, yeah, this must yeah. be like the season for making hay in your industry. Well, it absolutely is a big time because people are willing they're willing to do work. They're willing to change. They want to create something new. Uh, so much so that we, yeah, we're in the middle of a launch that I told you earlier that we anticipated just uh, being around 10,000 people in the, this challenge. And we ended up now with like 35,000. And that's a major, major sign that people are really willing to do the work right now and that they're committed. And then the challenge of being a business owner is that now I have to make sure that my website will deliver them the work. <laughs> The site is not happy with all the people that are logging in at the same time. So, and then it's our question of how do we face these challenges in the moment? Are we going to just find a lot of workarounds and be at ease? Or are we going to freak out? I used to freak out, James. I used to be crazy, I'd go nuts. But that got me nowhere. Yeah, I can relate to that because I've been running forums for the last decade. And I used to sort of go to sleep wondering if the thing would melt down overnight. And mm-hmm. it was me and I had a friend of mine, Dave, was always helping me with the tech, but he's in a different time zone. He's in Boise. And I've got a team now who are just fantastic. If anything breaks, they f- fix it automatically, which is brilliant. We've got those little alerts, like a spider web that will let them know. And I think they like gaming. So they seem to be up when I'm asleep, <laughs> which is good. And we have a three hour time difference. But I know what you mean about that feeling like you've got to wear the responsibility of it. I think when you're talking about authenticity, I've always felt a strong integrity and a massive responsibility to my forum community. It's like an extended family. Yeah. And in my case, it's tiny volume compared to the numbers you're talking about, uh, which is fascinating because you're in a mass market. And I wonder if that was deliberate or it just found you which I'd love to get to in a moment, but... Yeah, it was... Go ahead, yeah. I was going to say it was deliberate. Yes, it was. It was deliberate. I think that there, from the very, very early days of my career, I could see where I was going. I could see what my mission was. I could see what I was being called to do. I was being called to be one-to-many, not one-to-one, even though I've authored seven books and I'm about finishing my eighth right now and writing a book proposal for my ninth. And I'm not even joking you. 
even though all that's been part of my career as being this author, my primary vocation, I believe, is a motivational speaker, even though that's probably the least amount of what we, you know, in our PNL, it's probably the smallest number there, but it's the most important thing to me is being a speaker. Speaking publicly is my gift. It's my art. So one to many was my vision. And that's where we are now. The book is a great one-to-many platform, and it's a great front-end tool to make sales at the back end. I wonder if you could give us a little overview of how the business works. You've listed as a motivational speaker in Google. You've got a stack of books. It's funny you're talking about more books coming because I was just—I just sent an email to the lady who helps me write my books, Kelly Exeter. She sent me the next two book drafts that we had to choose from, and I said, "Can we do both?" <laughs> Which is. Mm. Uh, you know, I think once you get rolling with it, it's kind of fun, isn't it, having books and you realize that you're able to influence the outcomes for people. The, the thing that lights me up more than anything is that I get an Instagram share and someone's read my book and taken an action and got a result. And I just think that's amazing. That was a thought or an idea that got captured into little words or an audio. Uh, I'm sitting in the very room in the Philippines here where I read my audiobook and I get a five to one ratio of audiobooks because I have a podcast audience. And I think that the ability to have an impact must be amazing at your scale. And I think it would be a disservice if we didn't just talk about what you do for a moment there after the little business breakdown. I'd love if we could get a couple of the core concepts that you talk about in Super Attractor or the universe has your back because clearly it's working for you. Yeah. And it's, you know, a lot of what I wrote about in Super Attractor is for entrepreneurs, whether I was pretty forthcoming about that too. So my business stuff I can get to and then I can talk about. Yeah, let's have a look at just the overview. You've got a portfolio of books there. And, you know, we've often talked about on on this particular podcast, the book being a great way to educate and motivate people. My friend Dean Jackson sells books. Um, He gives them away, actually, mainly to get the lead so that he can then have a conversation and a good percentage of people who get the book won't actually even read it. But now you've got the ability to have a conversation with them. There's that direct response marketing angle. And then there's the people who literally make a living out of the book itself, which is rarer, but possible. And you've mentioned you have a publisher. So that's a fascinating part of your portfolio. And I can see you clearly leaning into the motivational speaker side of things as well. Yeah. And we're I'm also a digital marketer. So while I identify as a spiritual teacher and my title in my company on my org chart is is uh, untethered force of light. I, t- I left the CEO <laughs> title behind and changed my title. But I am a self-identified marketer. I'm an excellent marketer because for me, I don't sell, I share. I believe so, so, so deeply in what I teach and what I do that I don't have to sell. I don't. And I think that that's probably the key for all of us is to love our work so much that it's almost like another child to us that we don't have to sell it. It's just that easy. You don't have to sell it. You can share it. Yeah, I like that. It's one of the big reasons I've been podcasting for 10 years is I figured out that it's fun to talk about stuff and other people are actually interested in it. And sooner or later, people who listen to your message, they're going to find out. They want to know what else you've got. And clearly from your challenge... 
there's 35,000 people who are interested in finding out uh, how they can make a change in their life, which would be great to talk about. Yeah. So you know, I think that I just came out with this book, Super Attractor. It's done exceedingly well, way more than, way better than we expected. And I think that's also because I didn't care this time. I cared only about serving souls. I cared only about people being touched by the book. I did not care about the New York Times list. I did, I did events where I moved like 15,000 books through those events and I didn't count any of those towards the New York Times list. I just bought them directly from my publisher. So the events, the, the, I mean, the book had this movement and created this tribe of people that are really moved by the message. So what the next step was, was this manifesting challenge. It was going to give them the next step. And it's the perfect time of year and it's incredible content and way more people registered and my site is crashing as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing really well under under the, the pressure. Hopefully, Everybody this... else is working. Everything's happening around me because I am taken care of. That's my mantra. I ended up putting my website on Amazon S3 even though it's a little more expensive because – I just don't want it to be down. And I figure if Amazon- It's not actually a server issue at all. I have way more bandwidth than we need, but it's um, just too many people logging in at once. So something for people to consider if you start to do bigger launches is if you have like a any kind of WordPress plugin that's playing with your CRM, that you need to make sure that the log that when you have many, many people logging in at one time, it can cause a real bottleneck. So that is something I want everybody to be warned about. Yeah. You know, I, I remember um, when I first published my book and there was this wave of sales and it went to a, an Amazon bestseller, which I know is like nothing. That's like winning a token in the cereal packet. But I remember this sudden feeling of, whoa, hang on, this is kind of a shift. You talk about shifts in your content, but it was it was a shift. It's like, hang on a minute, this could actually get big. And then I felt immediately this almost this sense of, well, I hope I can handle this shift. Hope this change isn't too big and going to tip over my comfortable life with a daily surf and sort of manageable <laughs> pace. And I realized it's like this is a step forward that can't really be undone. It's not an easy step to undo. You, you've reached a point now where you have so much momentum. Did you ever get a point where it felt, oh, this is a bit heavy? Heavy, like too much to do, or heavy, like I'm carrying too much, or heavy in what way? What's the? What do you mean? Heavy in terms of responsibility, or you know, yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of yeah, spotlights very, very on recently. you, kind of like a, a Hollywood star might have. We you know where the. Well, it's like, oh, hang on, now everyone's watching, everyone's interested. Every move you make is going to be magnified, you know, over hundreds of thousands of eyeballs. I actually notice it in two ways. The first way I notice it is when I'm in Whole Foods because I have to be quiet when I'm talking. <laughs> I'm, I'm Whole Foods famous. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking with you. But it is one of those things where you, where I didn't, I don't identify as somebody who's got fame, but I do have a lot of readers out there. And so people do recognize me or come up to me and say, you know, this and that. So I have to make sure that I'm not acting like an asshole in the world <laughs> because I'm human and I might act like an asshole sometimes. So I have to really, it's really nice to be uh, giving myself that level of standard of how I want to be in the world so that I'm not only presentable to people that may be inspired by me, but more importantly, just living what I preach. The other thing I would say is that the responsibility part is really serious. It's very true because when you're a speaker or a writer or a podcaster, there's a you go first element. You go first, you share your truth, which activates other people to accept that truth within themselves. So when you're talking about big topics like trauma or addiction or mental illness, all of which I've suffered from, or I would say 
overcome and recovered from. You activate that in other people. I will be a speaker on behalf of the unspoken shame, but I also have this responsibility now that I may be activating people in my stories. So my responsibility is way bigger than manifesting challenges and writing books that inspire people. My biggest responsibility is creating content and guidance for people to regulate when they are activated because we are living in extraordinarily activating times. People don't have a lot of tools for regulation. And actually, that's what I'm intending to write my ninth book about. Right. Yeah, I keep seeing Russell Brand in my feed, and he's often talking about addiction. And I think I read a statistic, uh, and I'm sure you can correct me on this, but something like 30% of the population suffer some kind of mental challenge you know, whether it's... I think it's likely a lot more, actually. It could be. With the, you know, it was it was probably one of the most chaotic news years. You've got an interesting president running the most powerful country in the world. You know, we've just come through, at the moment, in my own home country, it's like pretty much burning, and there's been a lot of chaos. Oh, God, I'm on my way to you. I'm on my way there soon. I'm going to be there in two weeks, so I'm so sorry this is happening. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, I mean, it, it will put people on edge if they're prone to, to concerns or whatever. And it, it, you know, and, and raising children, of course, you end up, um, being sort of extra aware of the world around us and th- thinking about what the future might look like. And that sort of added responsibility. Uh, so it's amazing how you've tapped into such a big market. What are your thoughts about, you know, on the topic of authenticity? What about people who, who buy all of their Insta followers? And who pay to be on the bestseller list by getting people to go and buy all their books from the stores in a strategic manner, et cetera. It doesn't work. It won't work. Right. It just won't work. It just won't work. Maybe you'll get a get on a New York Times list, which by the way doesn't really matter anymore anyway. But uh it's just not sustainable. I there's energy behind everything. There's energy behind how you write a book, what you write, what, the content you put within it. There's energy around how you sell it. Uh, a mentor of mine once said to me that in every reprint of a copy of my book has the same intentional energy in it. So I believe that when we take an action with uh, what I refer to as spiritually aligned action, which is very effective for uh, entrepreneur, when the action is step one backed with service and love, right? Just commitment to serve and do good. And then step two, you have faith behind it because the faith is what keeps you calm. Faith that it's going to work out exactly as it's supposed to and it's guiding you in whatever form that it ends up. That energy of service and faith, step one and two, is when you're in spiritual alignment. You're connected, you're believing, you're trusting that it's going to work out. And that's when you take action. That's when you sell a book. That's when you put on an event. That's when you do your podcast. And then the fourth step is to be patient. And I think that the folks that are out there pushing, like uh, I would call that a pusher, right? Buying fans, buying their way onto a list. It's just the energy that's that pushy energy is not spiritually aligned. It's totally quite the opposite. It can be felt through the launch. It can be felt through the book. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah, it is really interesting. I, mean, I think especially in my market, it's pretty common for people to buy their first 10,000 followers so they can get a swipe up. And I notice on some of them that, you know, got tens of thousands of followers, but they don't get any comments on their posts. It's like, hmm, I wonder if it's a hollow victory in a way. And um, certainly I've been focused more on product. Doing good product actually has been something that's been more important to me than having a lot more money or being more famous. And I think you've hit on solid product 
that's where you're getting. Yeah, that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. The only reason that I've had any of the the bio that you read is because my focus has been on serving souls. My focus is on how can I create content that that saves lives and helps people. That's and this is a no joke situation in my opinion. I'm here on a mission. And when that energy is behind whatever you're doing, you can trust that it's going to be successful no matter what. So after you've been on the famous shows and you've got the best-selling books, do you ever have like a Mount Everest effect where you've reached further than you had thought you might go? Do you ever feel like what's next or do you know clearly what's next? I'm not sounding extremely humble on this podcast, so I want to just back up and say I'm not a complete narcissist, <laughs> but I want to also- oh, I'm definitely encouraging you with, you know, my questions are, yeah, yeah. are very business-minded here, and I think yeah. our listeners know that. I, I'm sure you're amazingly humble. <laughs> I'm not that I'm not that humble. I, listen, I'm not that humble, but I'm from the standpoint of I, I believe in myself, so I may not come across as humble- it will often be triggering for people when someone really is proud of who they are. But I want to stand in that to empower other people to do the same. So on the note of humility or lack thereof, (laughs) my feeling is my career hasn't even started yet. Good. I've always thought what I'm doing is an apprenticeship up to this point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And as I've started unleashing a little more storytelling and leaning into my role more comfortably after doing it for long enough and feeling like I can, like I just recently recorded an episode with another one of my friends who lives in New York, Ezra Firestone, and we'd had a two-year gap from our podcast, Think, Act, Get, and it was just so good to lean into that podcast as two friends doing something cool and not having a business agenda. And it it just felt strong and good. It felt like there'd been a real change. And uh, we got some great resonance with our audience as well. So I think it's good to just do good work and to feel like there's more to come. Do you sit down and write goals at the beginning of each year or do you have a different process? I don't really believe in goals. I believe in setting intentions. For me, if I set a goal, then it's something that I have an expectation about. It's something that if I if I don't meet that goal, I might be disappointed. Whereas when I set an intention, the energy behind an intention is it's this or something better. And sometimes something better is that it doesn't even happen the way I intended. Maybe it happens in a way that isn't as good, but that's actually what is what I needed. So being an intention rather than goal setting lets me off the hook. It also, look, I think it's fabulous to have a vision of where you want to go. I think that's part of manifesting is to have some clarity and vision of where you want to go. But I really like seeing it from the standpoint of desired intention rather than a goal I have to meet. Again, it's all about the energy behind things. Yeah, I like that answer. I don't don't set goals so much myself, focusing more on the processes or the actions and routines around life. It's like if I want to surf more because it makes me happy, then I just start scheduling appointments around the surfing windows so that it's going to happen. I do seem to end up getting the result that I want because I'm really thinking about it. I definitely think about stuff. I visualize all the time, especially when I'm going to sleep. I use that time to think about things and sort of like have this game where I play where I'm predicting the future. And I don't know if any of this falls into the category of what you do, but I found it fascinating how people can have such different lives. You don't have to go far to hear people whinging about government or tax or the cost of living or 
you know, how difficult things are in day-to-day life. And uh, then there are other people who just seem to be getting the things that make them happy and uh, that are the things don't seem as much work for them. And it comes down to the, the way they're thinking and the way they're acting, ultimately, if they were to step back from it. I'd love it if you've got a couple of processes that we could apply to have better outcomes. I think that the biggest process to apply for a better outcome is to slow down and do less. Because I think as entrepreneurs, we're constantly in this do-do-do mentality, which really is blocking us from attracting what we want. So if we find ourselves in that chaotic energy, stop, relax, go have a coffee, do something different. That's like the best advice ever. (laughs) You know, my book's called Work Less, Make More. Good. I've been against the workaholism culture uh, that seems to pervade the business industry. And I think there's definitely a huge movement now where people are understanding that. I've even seen Gary Vee talking about that he's probably been misrepresented when it comes to that. And it's more about pacing yourself. There's uh, even a whole movement. I think there's a podcast movement about slow living uh, where people are they're just slowing down. Yep. Certainly having the last few weeks off and, and playing board games and not making any content or doing too much in the way of work has been really nice. But I am ready to do some good work again. I think once you fall in love with the things you're doing, it's easy to naturally attract yourself into the stuff that's going to propel you. I think in your case, it sounds like writing books is something you really enjoy. And they also have a tremendous leverage effect for your business. So that's it's like a good habit, so to speak. That's right. That's right. Definitely. So what's next for you? After we hang up, you're going to go and fix your challenge that's been under. I'm going to go and put my son to bed. I'm going to go put my son to bed Yeah. and watch a show on Netflix and not think about my website because it is back up. Thank you. And just let everybody do their job because it's not my job. It is not the best use of me to be doing that. So I'm turning it over. Do you watch a lot of Netflix? Uh, When I've had a day like this where my site crashes and I want to think about something else, that is a spiritual practice for me. (laughs) (laughs) But no, the answer is no. I don't really, I have a really serious sleep hygiene, so I don't watch television before bed and I really take, really care for my blue light experience at night. And so, see, I don't watch a lot of television, but I'm watching a show right now that I'm really into, so... You know, oh. you get hooked sometimes. Are you going to share it or are you going to leave us hanging? I'm watching The Morning Show, which was a big surprise to me. It was a lot better than I thought. Nice. I just watched Quincy and uh, Kevin Hart. And they were both really interesting because uh, they had very difficult upbringings. And they were kind of on this significance tear, you know, where they became really absorbed in their work to the detriment of their relationships in both cases. Right. But they also achieved remarkable feats in business terms. And, you know, I think that's just what they love doing. So it's really fascinating to watch from a documentary perspective and to see the highs and the lows and uh, the achievements. And then I guess you compare that to where is the sliding scale of where you want to be in that. I love your message about sleep hygiene. I love your message about slowing down. The fact that you can have such a huge following and a a huge impact and uh, not eat yourself into a ball of stress is very inspirational. That's why it works. That's why it's working. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for sharing with us. And hopefully we can get you back and talk more about your journey because as you've said, and I have to agree with you, I think you're only just getting started and there's so much more that we could talk about on our next episode. I would love that. That would be great. And I hope to see many of you if you're in Australia. I'm going to be out there. So I hope to see you. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, if you stick to the major regional places, you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. You've got a website, gabbybernstein.com. Yes. And it's working now. <laughs> 
I'm going to spell it G-A-B-B-Y-B-E-R-N-S-T-E-I-N.com. Go and check it out. Go and have a look at YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You've got the whole game sewn up. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. It's nice to connect with you. Okay, we'll speak soon. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com. Thank you.